Praise the Lord, somebody. Ooh. Had a long day, huh? <laughs> All right. So I am tasked with the duty of uh, opening in prayer tonight. But first, you know, I have to say my thank yous. So thank you all for coming tonight to Christ Center Church. We know that it's a weekday, and, you know, our bodies are a little bit tired, but we're going to shake it off. Um, we're here for Jesus. To our online viewers, we thank you for joining us tonight. And for those in-house, we thank you for taking the time out to be with us tonight. So for those online, if you're scrolling, just kind of stop scrolling for a moment. I guarantee you won't regret it. Hallelujah. So if you will all will stand with me. We are going to pray together. Um, I would love to hear some praying in the background while I'm praying. Let's do this thing together. Let's set the atmosphere for when this man of God comes up and teaches the word, the atmosphere is already set. Our hearts are open and ready to learn and to just go forth and do, ooh, I'm a little loud, to go and do, follow the directions. Amen? So if you guys would pray with me. Hallelujah. Father, in your precious name. God, you are glorious. You are mighty. God, you are to be honored, Lord God. We worship you, not only in spirit, but in truth. Father, we bless you. You are God and God alone. God, we come before your presence, O oh God, as humbly as we know how tonight. Father, to honor the one true and living God. We lift up the name that is above every name. We lift up the name that can heal the sick and raise the dead. We lift up the name of Jesus. Father, we ask, O oh God, tonight, Lord God, that you would forgive us of every sin. For God, we want you to be in this place, O oh God, but we know that if our hearts and our minds and this place is not ready for you to enter, God, you will not be in this place. So God, tonight we ask that you'll purify our hearts. We ask that you'll purify our minds. O oh God, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to forgive us of sins knowingly God and unknowingly Lord Jesus that was done against you father we welcome you into this place tonight we want you to take charge of this service tonight we want you to move almighty God in this service tonight we know there's just a Wednesday night service but God can move in a Wednesday night service we are here because we want to be here Lord God to worship you we have assembled ourselves together on this Wednesday night, Lord God, to come to you, Lord God, and to, oh God, to worship you. You deserve all our worship. You deserve all our praise. You deserve all our honor. Hallelujah, Jesus. We are just the vessels, almighty God. And God, we empty ourselves that you will pour into us, Lord God, tonight. Father, we pray for the man of God as he come forth with the word. 
I pray, oh God, that you would anoint him, that you would touch him, that you would bless him, almighty God. I pray that the angels from heaven, oh God, will just surround him tonight, that it will surround this building tonight, Lord God. Father, we bind anything that is going to come against your word coming forth tonight, Lord God. We know the enemy, almighty God, is just setting up all kind of traps, but we rebuke that tonight. In the name of Jesus, for the ground that we are standing is holy. So, Lord, God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for standing on holy ground. We worship and adore you, O Prince of Peace. Hallelujah, hallelujah tonight. Father, bless his heart, bless his mind. Touch the lips, O God, that as they speak your word. O God, that we will get the understanding that you have for us, O Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you tonight. We bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift up a praise unto him. Let's honor him tonight. Come on, let's lift our voices and just worship the Lord. Let's just worship the king. The king, he's eternal. He's immortal. Let's worship the healer. Hallelujah, Jesus. I give you glory and honor, Lord. I give you praise. Have your way, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's just continue to worship the Lord Jesus. He gives us breath. Amen. Let's just continue to worship him. He deserves all the glory and all the honor. Hallelujah, Jesus.
Great are you, Lord. So great are you, Lord. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. All the earth, all the earth will shout your Our praise. Heart, Our hearts will cry. These bones, bones will sing. Great. true and living God. He's great. Amen. I love to give him praise. You love to give him praise? I love to give him praise. I love to praise him. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we honor you. Oh, it's so great, Lord, to praise the true and living God, to honor you and to bless your name, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 We love you, Lord. Anybody love him tonight? Anybody love Jesus tonight? Oh, he's been so good to us. He is our God. He's our Father. Oh, Lord, you are so good. We worship you. We adore you. We love you, Jesus. Great are you, Lord. Great. Great. Great are you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We serve the true and living God. He is the only wise God. 
Amen. I don't know. It sounds a little echoey up here, Brother Scarlett. You might not hear me echoey up there, but I'm hearing from these monitors. Sound a little echoey. Amen. But we serve a great God. That sounds better. Amen. Well, it's Wednesday night. Brother, who, who said it last week? Brother, brother, brother Bradley said they call it hump day, and he didn't, he didn't know why they call it hump day. It's the middle of the week. And usually when you're in the middle of anything, that's where the hardest struggle is. And you got to get over that hump, because once you get over Wednesday, you're getting into the weekend now. And so that's what hump day is. We're humping over the middle of the week to get into the latter part of the week where the weekend begins to come. So we thank God, amen, for bringing us together one more time and for allowing us to be here. Amen. We talked about this, but y'all still doing it anyway. We said we was not going to sit in the back if we don't need to sit in the back, but, you know, we got about four people in the back, you know. Uh-huh. We like when you come closer. Amen. <laughs> well, we've been talking about discipleship, and we'll continue, you know, can I tell you, I know we're all different. I know we have all different experiences in life. But we have to make sure we are balanced in how we live our life. Why am I saying that? Because a lot of times we come to church because we want to feel good. And if the preacher don't preach a message that make you feel warm and feel good and sympathize with how you're feeling and what you're going through, if you don't get a message like that, sometimes you're not happy about church. I've seen it, you know, because I'm, because I'm, 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 I don't know, I'm the one that likes to just talk about just, you know, what we can do. I understand my personality is different. And so I like to talk about what we can do as opposed to what can be done for me. That's my personality. And so I kind of pass to this church this way. What can we do as opposed to what needs to be done for us? And so, but the majority of people are always wanting to know, what can you do for me? And if we're going to live for God truly, we have to live for God understanding that there's going to be some things that's required of us that we must do. And there's going to be some things that's required that God will do. And that's what keeps us balanced. We're not always doing, and he's not always doing. It's balanced. And so the series that we've been teaching on, it's balanced. Uh, But this is talking about what we can do. Now, obviously, we can't do anything without the Lord. But what we are teaching on for the past uh, couple of weeks it's, it's talking about what we can do. And the Lord will work in the midst of what we can do, but it's also talking about what, it's, for the most part, it's talking about what we can do. And we have to understand that this won't be, you know, everything. It won't, it's not the end-all, be-all. It's not what's required of us always. But if we're going to be effective and we're going to be balanced in who we are as Christians, we are going to have to learn the things that we need to do 
as well as what God will do for us. Amen. And this, this feels like something that I've been kind of talking about since the very first time, the, fir- the first service we've had in this building, which is let God do God things, but we need to do people things. And that's just kind of how it is. And I don't want you to mistake that. Um, I, I've let the, the first service we had here, or was it the second? First or second? First, maybe it was the first service we had here. We talked about um, let God do God things and we do people things. And someone asked me about that. Well, you know, I'm just asking God about things. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with asking God about some things. But we need to do what we know how to do. And spend more time on that. I'm not telling you don't ask God, well, God, what about this? And you're asking him about God things. You can ask God anything you want. The things that includes you, he will share that with you. The things that is not people things, but God things, he probably won't share it with you. But we have to realize that we have um, requirements because that's how all good relationship work. Both people will be doing uh, they're not always both receiving. And that's why the Bible says two is better than one. Because in a relationship, it's not always gimme, gimme, gimme. There's times in a relationship where you have to give and not worry about what you receive. You may be seated. And so we're still on the series Making Disciples. And we're going to continue with that um, until... We start making disciples. <laughs> so, so I, I, if you want me to stop teaching this, I, I know how you can get me to stop teaching this. Just start doing it. Can I show you something? God do God things. We've been praying. We changed our prayer, um, our spiritual journey prayer to God give us children, right? And since we started out in this building... Four people have been baptized in Jesus' name. Four. Now, I, I don't keep the records real good, but somebody that keeps records can let me know. I don't know how many people have baptized in all of 2022. But since we've been in this building, four people have been baptized. Because we were praying those specific prayers. God did God things. Because, because people giving their life to God is between them and God, not so much us. We can share with them what God says, but for that true uh, conversion to take place, it's that individual have to make up in their mind to respond in obedience and faith to the word of God, to what God is doing in their heart. Mommy that got baptized, God just worked on her heart. Um, um, the other young lady... Um, that got baptized, she don't go to this church. She go to a church that don't all preach and teach the same thing we do. But when it was time for her to get baptized, God let her hear. That's really interesting to me. And we know the other two that got baptized. We've been praying for this. And so God has been doing that. But now, here's the deal. God don't make disciples. He is counting on us to make the disciples. Conversion is not discipleship. When people get saved, they just get saved. They're not disciples yet. And so they have to become disciples after they get converted. 
or in the process of them being converted, they must become disciples. So someone being saved doesn't mean that they, they are yet a disciple. And we'll get into that a little bit more in the Word of God tonight. But we need to make sure we're making disciples. Because God wants people to be strong and become a citizen in the kingdom of God. It's one thing to repent and be baptized. It's a whole different ball game to become one that is a disciple. So now you're helping somebody else get saved as opposed to you needing someone to help you. There is a correct, as I've been saying, theological approach to reaching the world with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is a way to do what God has called us to do, reaching the lost, soul winning, whichever way we want to look at it, evangelizing, witnessing, however you want to slice it. There is a way that we must do it for it to work effectively. We are not just to do whatever comes to mind to reach others with the gospel. I know, yeah, just live your life. Just be a Christian. Just be a witness. That's all part of it. But that's not all of it. And so we can't follow what others do. Other organizations or other churches or other people. We can't follow what anyone else do. Because we won't have an excuse as to why we're not seeing the results when we follow other people. When we do what God tells us to do and follow his instruction to make disciples, then we have every right to go to him and say, why aren't we seeing it? Because we're following your instructions. This is why it's so important to obey God. Because you can go to God and say, why aren't we seeing the results You promise when we're doing it just like you said we needed to do it. The theological instructions the Lord Jesus gave us to reach the lost world with the gospel is to go make disciples. And so that's the theological way. You have to make disciples, not just be a witness. Not just invite someone to church, not just tell somebody they need to be baptized, not just, you know, oh, I'm living by example and somebody will know. All of that is a part of it, but that's not all of it. It's a part of it, not all of it. The Lord says make disciples, not just be a witness. Being a witness is part of it. Telling somebody about the word of God is part of it, but that's not all of it. And so we must realize that the three-word command from the Lord to go make disciples was an invitation for Christians to begin living their lives with purpose and intention. Can I tell you, when God gives us command and instructions, it's more than what you think. It's more than what you understand. And for us, when we hear go make disciples, the first thing we're going to think about is, man, that's work. And we don't realize one thing I've learned. Well, I've learned a lot of things about God. One of the things that I've learned about God is whenever he tells us anything, regardless of how it looks to you, you are going to benefit from it in one way, shape or form. Somehow we will benefit 
from what God has told us to do. Even when it looks like we're not benefiting, we will benefit when we do what God says. It might not always look like it, but I'm telling you, those are some of the things that incorporates what we say, God is love. We want to communicate that God is love only in the way that, again, make us feel warm and fuzzy. God is love. Oh, he loves me. Yeah, he loves you. And even when he tells you to go make disciples, he still loves you. And even when he tells you to go make disciples, there's still something that you will gain from going to make disciples that you might not understand. And so going to make disciples is bigger than just going to make disciples. The theologically correct way of reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ allows us to live our daily lives while sharing the gospel. This theological correct way for sharing the gospel while living our daily lives require us to live our lives intentionally. And so part of what go make disciples mean, fulfill your purpose, live your life intentionally, and enjoy your life. But we didn't see that. All we know is, man, go make disciples. That just sounds like work. You can live for God and have good morals. You can live for God and have joy. You can live for God and enjoy your best life. You can live for God while fulfilling your purpose and making disciples. But if you're not taking someone on the journey with you, then you have discovered your ultimate you have not discovered your ultimate purpose in life was to make disciples. If you're living your life for Christ just to get to heaven, you've heard me say this so many times, that people who are living their life to go to heaven have to be really careful because they might not get to heaven. That's a hard statement, but I will not stop making that statement because I believe that to be true. Because I believe if you live your life to go to heaven, you're being selfish. And I don't think you can make it to heaven selfish, being selfish. So when we declare, I'm just trying to get to heaven, we almost are saying, I don't care who get in my way, I don't care what. Whatever I got to do, I got to do so I can get to heaven. What's wrong with that statement is you can hurt people that way. What's wrong with that statement is you will not focus on doing what God wants you to do. You're just going to be one-dimensional focusing on what you want and not what God wants. It's not a good thing to say, man, I'm just trying to get to heaven. Now, do we want to get to heaven? Absolutely. But going around saying, I'm just trying to get to heaven? Watch out for that one. You want to re-examine that statement to see if you're just trying to get to heaven. Because you will not be fulfilling your purpose if all you're trying to do is get to heaven. Remember, we have established this. If the goal was just to get to heaven, when you were born again of the water and of the spirit, you would have ascended to heaven like Jesus did. If the goal was just so we can get to heaven, so somebody witnessed to us, And we say, wow, I see that. 
I see where it says we must be born again of the water and of the spirit. And we see that if that's the goal, then when we got born again of the water and of the spirit, why do we need to be here anymore? We should just ascend to heaven. So if that's not happening, the question we should be asking is, God, I'm saved. Why am I still here? I want to go to a place where I can stay saved. Because while I'm here, I'm challenged. And I'm trying to stay saved while I'm here. And there are obstacles while I'm here. But if I get saved and go to heaven, I don't have any challenges. I'll be saved for all eternity. So why am I still here and I'm saved, Lord? Go make disciples. Making disciples mean having a front row seat as you watch the grace of God develop lasting spiritual fruit within believers. Disciple making is the most exciting life in this world. I've said it. Until you get to watch from the vantage point of you knowing somebody that cussed, partied, just didn't live for God. Just lived their own life. And you knew that person and you met that person, you befriended that person, and you are all in their life teaching them, discipling them, and watching them come into the place where they get the understanding, I need to give my life to God. And they repent of their sins and they get baptized in Jesus name. They get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and the evidence of speaking with tongues. And they start living their life according to the word of God. They start becoming a disciple. And now they now are helping someone else get saved. If you haven't experienced that, you haven't lived yet as a Christian. You're quiet. In John chapter 15 verse 16. The Bible says this, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. But he didn't stop there. And ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Now, we know we talk about the fruit of the spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is not your fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of God. So the fruit is not ours, it's His. So understanding that, if you read this again, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. I can't bring forth no fruit because I don't have no fruit. So what fruit is he talking about? And that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he shall give it you. These things I command you that you love one another. And so the fruit that the Lord is talking about is a soul. Because that soul will eventually bear fruit if they become a disciple of Christ. So when you bring a soul in by discipling them, through conversion, through discipleship, they now will model the life of Christ 
And guess what? The fruit of the Spirit will manifest in their life. So it's important that we realize when we reach the lost and lead them to Christ and disciple them, that's also fruit. The fruit that we bring forth is only of value if it remains. The fruit that we bring forth is only of value if it remains. You know what that means? Discipleship. It can't remain if they're not discipled. If you've been living for God any amount of time, you have seen plenty people repent of their sins, baptized in Jesus' name, talked in tongues. As a matter of fact, can I tell you a little secret? I'm always a little concerned when people start talking in tongues quick. Now, that's the work of the Spirit. I don't have a problem with that. But for some reason, it seems like the people who receive the Holy Ghost quick in their, in their walk in God seem to go out the door quicker than the ones that actually took a while to receive the Holy Ghost. I don't know what that's all about. It might just be what we're talking about here tonight. Before they were discipled, they received the Holy Ghost. And so a lot of things that they didn't understand. And so they end up leaving out of the church, not understanding really what was going on because they weren't discipled. I don't know if that's it. That could be it. But people that stay and get discipled, stay and get taught to be like Jesus, they usually hang around a pretty long time. I've seen it. We need to love people enough that we want to see them saved. And we need to enjoy the process of making disciples. I don't know if we love like the Lord told us to love. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? Everybody. And so if the Lord tells us to love our neighbors ourselves, and you want to go to heaven, what should you be doing? Helping somebody go to heaven. If you love yourself, and here's that conversation again, I'm just trying to make it to heaven. But the Lord said, love your neighbor as yourself. So we're supposed to be helping somebody else get to heaven. Hmm. It has been said that if you love your job, then you never have to work a day in your life if you love your job. Using the same expression, if you love to make disciples, then you never have to go to church a day in your life because you bring church with you everywhere you go. <laughs> I still think there is nothing better than talking to somebody about Jesus that don't know Jesus and watch them respond and watch them trying to figure out and watch them curious and watch them start to learn it and start to practice it. There is nothing like that. And so if we will try it enough. We will begin to see, you know what, that's true. There is nothing like it. Nothing like it. In Acts chapter 5, verse 42, it says, And daily, meaning every day, in the temple 
and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. I was just talking to somebody the other day. And I was telling them, as a young Christian, I don't know if you all caught this when you were just kind of young in the church back in the day. As a young Christian, I remember we used to get these seasoned veteran preachers. Been around a long time. And they have their message that they're ready to preach. But for some reason, before they start preaching their message, they start with, and there's only one God. And in order for you to be saved, you must repent of you. And I'm sitting there like, we know that. Can you move to your message, please? That was me. I always listened to these preachers when I was younger in the gospel. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. There's only one God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to be born again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to be holy. And I'm, and I'm like, move on from that. I want to hear how you preach and get into the word. So my brain was working. And now all these years has gone by. And I'm laughing at myself because I understand why they did that. Oh, God. Now I understand why they did it. Because it is significant that you get the foundation right before you can ever get into the other things. And a lot of times we're trying to get people into the other things and we never get them to establish the good foundation. The only foundation, which is Jesus Christ. We never establish that foundation in their life. And so I'm saying this to tell you this. Never get tired of telling people Jesus Christ is God Almighty. Never get tired of saying that. And if they say, well, I don't understand it. said, if you want to know it, I will show it to you. But never get tired of telling people Jesus Christ is God Almighty manifest. Because that is foundational. And if we don't get that right... We can go into false doctrine easily. But if you get that part right, very difficult to go into false doctrine. And so, daily, temple, house, they didn't stop teaching and preaching about Jesus as the Christ. Teaching and preaching Jesus sounds like doing and being the church because whenever you talk about Jesus, he shows up. As a matter of fact, that's old school preaching as well. Most old school preachers will preach to you from the Gospels. Because the Gospels is talking to you about the life of Christ. And when you preach Christ, he shows up. And you're wondering, how the Spirit of God moving? Because he shows up when we talk about him. <laughs> Working a job does not prevent us from making disciples. So let me take away that crutch. Preacher, it's hard. Got a lot going on. I was just talking to somebody this evening, and one of the things that's a hot button for me is when people don't do what they're supposed to do, and they throw out, I'm busy. Hot button for me. Sometimes I just got to not say anything. It's, so, it's such a hot button for me. Because I know I'm busy like crazy. But I don't go around telling you that. That's just ridiculous. I'm not going around telling people, you don't understand how busy I am. For what? I don't have time. Because that's not my issue. 
I just want to go around and doing what God called me to do. And so as long as you know what God called you to do, you don't have to worry about being busy because as long as you're doing what God says do, then I don't care about being busy. I'm doing what God wants me to do. And so this nonsense that we come up with talking about, you don't understand how I'm busy. And so today, it got under my skin. I was talking to somebody. So guess what I said? I said, brother, i got a family with kids. I got grandkids. I said, I got a full-time job. I said, I pastor a church. I said, guess what? I'm a superintendent of a district. I got meetings that I always got to go to because that superintendent tag do a whole lot more than you believe, than you will know. They're pulling you in every direction because they want you to be a part of this, part of that, this and that. I said, there's a lot that's going on with me, so please don't tell me about somebody being busy. I'm not going around telling you I'm busy, but I am extremely busy. But don't tell me about somebody, because I don't go around throwing that out for you to feel good or to make you say, well, I understand why he missed our appointment. No, no excuse for me to miss your appointment. If you're important to me, I don't need to miss your appointment. Don't throw in no busy stuff. So let me get out of here so I don't get hot all over again. I don't want to get hot all over again. (laughs) So listen. Most of us have a job that we have to go to at least five days per week. We're not like the disciples where all of our time is focused on ministry. We have to give eight hours per week for at least five days a week to an employer who is paying us for that time. And we must not cheat them of their time. So at least 40 hours a week of our time goes to an employer. So I understand that. But don't use that as a crutch to say that's why I can't make no disciples. Because during those eight hours, we must model the life of a disciple that we may encourage others to want to live the same life we are living. You're quiet. When we get to work on Mondays, when you pull up in the parking lot, you need to pray, God, give me the energy, let my light shine, move on me, that I will, I will exude joy, gladness, because I want these people to know I'm not like them. I am yours And from what we have experienced yesterday in church, today is Monday, and what we experience in church, I want to go model that for them to ask me questions about why am I being that way. We pray that prayer, and God will answer that prayer, because that's a prayer that's unselfish, because you're starting to think about reaching somebody. You're not thinking about, let me just go in here and work my job and make my money and go home because I'm tired. God will give you the strength and the energy to let your light shine in a glorious way to make people say, wow, why are you just so jolly and seem to have no cares in the world and just always seem to have that smile on your face that make you seem like just everything is going great in your life. What's up with that? I'm glad you asked. And then you can start to go in and start to walk them through slowly about why that's happening in your life. Believers 
who are not engaged in disciple making may be living for God, but they're not living intentionally to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ. Again, I'm concerned if we're not intentionally looking to make disciples as we are walking with Christ. I'm concerned if we're not doing that. Because I believe that if we're not doing that, there's something in us that's preventing us from doing that. And whatever that something is, God can fix it. But if you don't take it to God, how is he going to fix it? If you don't say, God, my pastor continued to talk about making disciples, and for some reason, I am just not doing it. What is wrong with me why I'm not doing it? What is going on in my life why I'm not inspired to do it? And when you ask him that, ask him to show you what it is. Ask him to deliver you from what it is. Ask him to set you free from what it is because we need to live our life to reach other people and not just live for God. Because for me, let me just put it on me and not you. If I find myself doing that, I am going to say I'm being selfish. I'm being a little selfish. I had um, dinner last night with the district board. We were hanging out, and we do this from time to time because, you know, it's just a good thing. It's really healthy. And so we were hanging out, and Brother Carter, um, Robert Carter, is um, part of our board. He's not um, a voting member, but as an elder, we keep him on because he's sharp. He's got a lot of experience. He was a superintendent for many years. He was a secretary treasurer for many years in New York District. And so I love having him around because he's been around for a long time. And he knows some stuff. And we're just talking about some stuff. And something that he said last night, we're just talking. And he says, you know, when any Christian start living their Christian life like nothing is good enough for them in the church. Whether it's the church they attend or whether it's other churches that's around them that the, the churches are just not providing enough. He said when they start thinking like the church is not providing enough, they start isolating themselves. Because they think that they're the only one that's up there. They're not saying it, but when you start to say the church is not good enough, that's the route that you're going. And so when you start doing that, you start isolating yourself and you set yourself up nicely for the devil to come in and just whip your tail and get you going in really wrong direction. Isolation is the first thing that the devil try to do when he's getting ready to destroy your life. He gets you by yourself and he will do that by any means necessary. Make you think, well, this church don't preach enough of this. Well, this church don't preach enough of that. Well, they don't have enough prayer meetings. Well, they don't do enough of this. And oh, they don't do enough communion. And you start saying all the stuff that they need to do, and all of that that you're saying is going to cause you to start being by yourself. And as you're by yourself, you are being set up by the devil to lose out on your salvation. That was from the elder last night. And he was so spot on because I've seen it many times. Because you don't realize that when you start thinking that, you know, nobody's doing enough for you because you're so deep, that's pride. That's egotistical. And when you start thinking like that, what they say? 
Pride cometh before the fall. Mm -hmm. And so, if we are believers and we're not living our life intentionally by fulfilling the mission of Jesus Christ by making disciples, that's somewhere around that area too. We're saying, I just need to do my thing because y'all ain't doing nothing around here. Let me just live my life. But thinking that way will get you going in the wrong direction. I would venture to guess that the vast majority of apostolic believers do not deliberately have continual thoughts about potential disciples God may place in their path on a daily basis. So I say all that to just break it down like this. How often in your daily walk, in your daily life, are you thinking, God is getting ready to bring somebody in my path. Is the Lord leading somebody to my path so I can really make a disciple of that individual? How often do we think that or we just live our life like, well, I'm just glad that I'm saved, sanctified, and Holy Ghost filled. I'm glad we had great, great church Sunday. I'm glad, you know, I felt God's presence. Oh, man, God gave me a revelation in the word this morning. Oh, man. And all we talk about is all the stuff that we have experienced and how good God is. And we haven't thought about nobody else. Just how good God is to us. Just how great the service was. Just how God touched me this morning when I was praying. Just how God gives me revelation. Okay. What about other people? What about this lost world that God died for? Did you even consider them today? Too many believers miss the cue card posted by the Lord in their mind for potential disciple-making opportunities. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I once heard, <laughs> this is good, I once heard a believer with a heart for lost people say this, I go to the grocery store to meet people for Christ. And while I'm there, I pick up some groceries. I go to the grocery store to meet people for Christ. And while I'm there, I pick up some groceries. Once we make the commitment to spend our lives making disciples... We can never just randomly go or be anywhere. Having a disciple maker's heart, maker's heart means seeing a person and saying, there you are. Because we're always looking to make disciples. You smile at people because you want to engage them so you can start the disciple making process. You say hello to people. Because you want to start this, the disciple-making process. You keep going to the same place over and over because you hope to make a disciple of those people you encounter. There are several scripture verses that speaks to intentional living. Psalms 37 and 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his ways. Proverbs 3 and 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on 
Lead not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Now, we like that text, but we we make that text a selfish text. If we will make it a disciple-making text, it might be a little bit different. If we acknowledge him, Lord, that guy is acting kind of weird and strange. But maybe you want me to talk to him. Do you want me to talk to him, Lord? Under your breath. Do you want me to talk to him, Lord? Because you may be doing something with him. Because if you want me to talk to him, Lord, just let me know. I want to help. I want to be a disciple maker. And that's how we need to go about in all of our ways. Acknowledge him. Brother Scarlett said he came here this evening and he looked around and many parents was waiting for their kids in ballet. He just started giving them a track. Church, love to have you. And so that's starting something. That's always seeing people and saying, man, I wonder what God can do in their life. As opposed to always just loving God, doing something in your life. Because, you know what we like, in all of our ways, acknowledge him that he can direct. Oh, God, I acknowledge you. You are my Lord. I just want you to lead me. And you want him to lead you to do your things and to make your life better. To, to be honest with you, here's a crazy statement. Your life is the best right now that it can ever be until you get to heaven. A lot of us are seeking for this great vision of your life, how you think it should be. Right now, your life is the best that it will ever be until you get to heaven. I don't care how much problems you got. Because here's the deal. You got Jesus. And if you have Jesus in your life, it doesn't matter anymore. Nothing else matters. And so no matter what's going on in your life, you have Jesus. And you live with him long enough, you're going to say, he will work it out. He will work it out. Work it out. Because he always do. You are only here today because he keep working things out. So why are we at a place where we're like, oh, he always work it out. So if you were new here today and, you, you, you know, you haven't had a lot of experience with God, that's cool. I understand that you, you know, you're concerned a little bit. And that's all right. But if you've been living for God for a little bit, come on. He's going to work it out. So, so, so don't worry about anything. And you've got Jesus. And so your potential right now is as great as it will be at any other time. No need to worry about you You in a, a position that a, a tight predicament. Doesn't matter. I got Jesus. Based on these two passages of scripture alone, it is apparent that God orders and directs the daily path of each of his children. Here's what we know. God loves lost people and he wants to reach them with his saving grace. And he deliberately planned for us to help him to do that. Did you ever think that? That God wants to save lost people and he has a deliberate plan, an intentional plan that any one of us in here tonight will help him to execute that plan. So God is counting on you and me 
to help him execute his plan of reaching people with the gospel. And he's intentional about it. Me or you might not be intentional, but he is intentional about it. So all we have to start doing is start seeking the Lord to say, Lord, what are you up to today? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to talk to? And hey, while I'm at it, what should I say? Intentional. God is intentional. So, if he has his mind on someone who needs to be saved, he may choose you or me to get his message to them. And many of us have experienced situations where, you know, we start talking to people and just sharing things with them that encourage them. And we had no clue that we were delivering God's message. Because you're not always going to know that you're doing God's will. But what you need to know is that you pray and ask God to direct you to do his will. So while you're doing God's will, sometimes you're not feeling no warm and fuzzy thing. It's just like normal day going by. But you just know I happen to be sharing some encouragement with someone. And certainly, you may be delivering the message that God wants you to deliver, and you might not understand what you are doing. And so God can use us to carry out his message. This can happen in one or two ways. God can direct us to a specific place. He can direct us to a specific house, to a street corner, to a Starbucks, to a gas station, to a vending machine at work, to some office. To a parking lot. I can go on and on and on. God can direct us to places that he has someone waiting so we can share with them the gospel. In Acts chapter 9 verse number 8, the Bible says, And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and had seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. I love this. Are you seeing what's going on here? Paul got jammed up because he was doing something he had no business doing. He was going against God. And God met him and had to smote him with blindness to get his attention. This is why I told you, when you pray for your children, you pray for your family member that God will save them. Once you pray that prayer and their life's starting to get in chaos, leave their life alone. Don't get involved. Because God knows how to save them. 
you don't. And sometimes God is working on the situation and he has to start like he did Saul. I'm going to have to cause you to get blind, bro. I'm going to have to cause you to get blind, sis. Because God knows how to get the attention of anybody. And so somebody had to pray for Saul to be saved. And so here he goes. In the middle of him persecuting Christians, God smote him with blindness. And I'm sure for all the Christians that were looking on, good, good for him. Because he was no good trying to persecute all these Christians when his conversion process had begun. But nobody saw it. All they wanted to think about was he's trying to kill Christians and I'm glad he can't see now. (laughs) But because of that situation, he started praying. He wasn't praying sincerely before. But now that he is putting two and two together, I'm persecuting Christians. And now God smote me me with blindness because guess what? He spoke to me personally. And say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I knew I wasn't persecuting him. But these fake people that think they're Christians, I was persecuting them. But he said I was persecuting him for persecuting them. And so now the Lord has spoken to him Face to face. Now the Lord has smote him with blindness to get his attention. And this caused him to start praying sincerely. Because all that Paul was doing before was all in the flesh. Everything he did, persecuting Christ, was all in the flesh. And now he finally started heading towards spiritual things. And so he was praying. And while he was praying, God told him, you will see a man. God gave him a vision of a man named Ananias coming to him to lay hands on him to pray for him. That's interesting. Verse 12 says, and had seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord. Here you go, us spiritual people. I have heard by many of this man how much evil he had done to the saints at Jerusalem. And here he had authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, go thy way. Go where I'm sending you, boy. For he is a chosen vessel. What the Lord says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And just like the Lord can choose you, it's another thing. We, got, we, we can't be de- deceived in our own mind. God chose you. Why can't you choose somebody else? Why did God, why do you feel like, man, God chose me and you walk around boldly? I know God chose me. My mom always said, I know God called me to the apostolic church. Well, yeah, he can call somebody else too to the apostolic church, right? He didn't just call you. He didn't just call me. He's calling a whole lot of people to become a part of the kingdom of God. The question is, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And so he's calling people, but are we going to go get them like Ananias went? That's the issue. He's calling them, but who will go and be an Ananias? 
for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Mm -hmm. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, I learned something from Ananias. When God sent you to somebody, I don't care if they say it right at that moment. If God sent you to them, that's God's intention. So you can start calling them brother or sister. Because God's intention for them is that they're saved. Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou comest, had sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales. And he received his sight forthwith. And arose and was baptized. Saul received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and he was baptized in Jesus' name. He became Paul. Ananias is an example of just such a case of a divinely inspired and directed encounter. The first thing stands out about the text we just read is that the scripture says Ananias was a disciple. We want to be used of God, but we don't want to use that word disciple. But again, learn how to reason with God. In your prayers, learn how to reason with God. Moses was the best at this probably. But Paul, and, and, and but, but Ananias here, he knew what he was doing as well. And we need to catch on by when we go to God and says, God, your disciple, Wayne, your disciple, want to be used of you because there's a lot of people you have out there that you have died for, Lord, that you want to go to heaven, that you want to become a disciple as well. You've got so many of them out there. Can I help out, Lord? Can you get me involved? Am I not good enough, Lord? If I'm not good enough, can you tell me what I need to do to at least be included in the plan that you're executing? It's not your reason with God. But you got to want to see people saved. You got to want to make a disciple. If you want to make a disciple, you will reason with God like that. If you're still living in that whole dimension of, I'm just trying to get to heaven, then the first thing that stands out is that he, uh, he was a disciple. He was not an apostle. He was not a prophet or a pastor or evangelist. He was a simple disciple. He did not appear to have been flamboyant or outgoing. In fact, he questioned God about sincerity of Saul's intention, showing his cautious nature. Being described as a disciple simply means that he was a devout follower of Jesus Christ and living his life intentionally with a heart for others. Can I tell you this? Because I'm getting ready to finish up here. God not sending you if you don't have a heart for the people. Because you will just make a mess. God don't come and talk to us about reaching out and ministering to people if we don't have a heart for that. Because we won't help them. And so it's, it's, it's paramount that we talk to God and say, God... Is there something that's not right within me why you're not talking to me about lost people that I can go and disciple? What is wrong? We need to pray that prayer. It's okay. If you're sincere about living for God, 
if you're sincere about just want to serve God and please God, you will pray those prayers. We don't want to pray prayers that's kind of, you know, I don't know, stifling our true self. Because God knows us. He knows our thoughts are far off. He knows everything about us. So it, it's not, it doesn't make good sense to pray and pray superficial prayers. Superficial prayers will not allow God to use us. But if we will pray sincere, heartfelt prayers, God will speak to us and God will instruct us and God will show us, even if it's something that we need to get right on our end before he uses us, he will tell us that because now we're going to him sincerely like, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing. And guess what? He wants you to be a part of what he's doing. So if we're not doing it, it's because it could just very well be something is not right within us. Maybe we don't care enough for the loss. And he wants us to care a lot for them so he can send us so that we won't, you know, draw a line in the sand as to what we will do or not do. Because when you're going to reach the loss, there's no line in the sand. Jesus gave his life so we can be saved. So we can't draw any line in the sand. Whatever he commands us to do to reach that lost person and to make a disciple of them, that's what we have to do. And so, we see that this was a divine appointment that God set up because someone had a heart for the loss. This kind of divine appointment happened several times throughout the book of Acts and other places in Scripture. God will give specific direction and order the steps of those who have committed themselves to making disciples. And so we will get into more of that next week of how God gives divine appointment and specific instructions for us to reach lost people. And to make disciples. But I think more than anything else tonight, if you will stand with me, I think more than anything else tonight, we need to honestly go before God and ask him, why am I not more effective in being focused on reaching people and making disciples? Because I've just heard tonight that no matter how busy I am working my secular job, God can still use me that way to make disciples. As a matter of fact, I feel strongly, very strongly. I, I used to say this years back. I used to tell, you know, a few of our guys this. That the job that you have is so you can reach the people that's on that job. Because whatever your position is on the job, the people that you talk to that's on your level will respect what you're saying. Because if you're intelligent enough to do the job that you both are doing, then you're credible enough to, show, to share the gospel with them. And so wherever you are, the people that you deal with on a regular basis, you are very well qualified to speak the word of God to them. And they will hear you if God opened that door for them to hear you because... You qualify. But a lot of times we go on a job. We're just working our eight hours. Can't wait to get off. And always rushing. Got to get home and take care of this. Take care of that. Wednesday night I got to get to church. And we say all this stuff. What we got to do. 
And I've learned that when you start doing the things of God, it's like everything slows down. When I feel, find myself really busy, I don't like it because I think that I'm more in the flesh than I'm in the spirit when I'm too busy. When I'm in the spirit, I feel like I'm getting things done, but I don't feel like I'm being rushed. And so if I feel myself too busy, I said, oh, I'm doing too many things. I need to, I need to get in the spirit because that's where I'm effective. That's where I'm effective. I'm not effective just doing this and doing that and doing this and doing that. I want to be able to be in the spirit. And so we need to go to God before we leave here tonight and just ask him to show us in our life what we need to do or how, what, what does he need to do in us so we can become hungry and thirsty and have a passion to disciple somebody that didn't know Christ so they will become. Listen, we can only reach one person at a time. We had four people that got baptized over the past three weeks. We should have plenty of people knocking down their door to see if we can connect with them and try to teach them a Bible study, a personal Bible study, because that's how you disciple them. Or connect with them in such a personal way that wherever you go, you invite them to come with you. Befriend them and let them see your light shine, how you live for God. These Three, four people should not just be trying to live for God on their own. They should have a model Christian that they can call on, that they're connected to, that they know they can look at to say, yeah, that's how it's being done. They shouldn't just be trying to come into church and that's it. Even if they sign up to do discipleship online, that's great. Still not the same. Because discipleship requires for us to walk with somebody continuously. Discipleship required for us to spend time with them and they become the most important thing in our life. Listen to me. Remember, we talked about you wouldn't want a mother for an ostrich because they have their babies and they don't care about them. The church cannot be like that. When we pray for God to birth people into the kingdom and they come, we can't leave them to themselves to just figure it out. If we're not working with them and helping them to learn the ways of God, we have not done our jobs. We don't need to brag that we told them to get saved and they got saved. No bragging. Because the Bible says your fruit must remain. So we don't brag because they got saved. We rejoice that they got saved. Now the hard work starts. When a woman push a baby out, great. What does she do after that? Just go home and say, yeah, I left the baby at the hospital. I'm good. Is that what she do? Leave the baby at the hospital and be like, I'm, I'm glad I got rid of that load, boy. I'm good now. Well, that's what the church do sometimes. Somebody born again and we just walk away like, all right, somebody got them. No, you try to connect with that person, and if you connect, then you got them. We got to make disciples. That's what God called us to do. That's how we live our life intentionally. That's how we will grow in Christ.
Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word tonight, Lord. We thank you for challenging us. We thank you for opening up our understanding and giving us instructions to go forward in doing your will, to living our life intentionally, to be disciple makers, Lord God. Lord, we're coming tonight sincerely as we can be. For Lord, we don't believe, I don't believe I've cared enough about making disciples, reaching the lost. And Lord, I have to ask tonight, have I made other things more important to me than making a disciple, than reaching someone with the gospel? What have I put before that? Because Lord, I want to truly put nothing before doing the will of God. And so I pray that you will show me tonight, Lord God, what I need to do to order my life the correct way, to live my life intentionally in pleasing you and doing your will. Lord, whatever is in me that's, that's preventing me, Lord God, from being used of you to make disciples, will you remove it out of my life? Will you show me what I need to do that there will be no hindrance to me making disciples of Jesus Christ? Oh God, I pray that you will truly show us tonight. Give us a real encounter with you as we pray and call upon your name so we can understand what we need to do to be more effective in making disciples. Oh, oh God, forgive us for rushing through our days and not just waiting upon the Lord. For he says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And I pray, Lord God, that you will move on us in such a way that we will become patient and that we will begin to wait upon you as you direct us and show us and make us aware of those that you want us to reach out to and befriend them and, oh God, lead them to salvation and disciple them, Lord God. Lord, will you help us to walk a different walk? Will you help us to talk a different talk? A walk and a talk that will care about the loss. A walk and a talk that will help us, Lord, to be kingdom-minded. A walk and a talk, Lord God, that will make us care and love our neighbor as we love ourselves, Lord. Lord, you started this mission and you called us, Lord, to follow you and fulfill this mission. Ah. Oh, Jesus, I love you, Lord. I want to please you above all things in this world, in my life. I want to please you. Whatever I need to do, Lord, to please you better, show me, Lord. Whatever I must do to please you, show me, Lord. Whatever I need to do to please you, show me, Lord. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh God, order our steps. For the steps of a good man are ordered by God. Oh Lord, we will not lean to our own understanding, but we will trust in the Lord with all of our heart, Lord God. And Lord, in all of our ways, we will acknowledge you. For God, we see souls, almighty God. The harvest is plenteous. The laborers are few. I want to be a laborer in your harvest, Lord God. So show us, Lord. Move on us, Lord, that 
we will go into your harvest and labor and reach the lost and make disciples. Lord, will you do such a work through us in this church? Will you do that kind of work in us? Give us the hunger and the passion, Lord God, to go forward and do a work for you in this hour. Lord, we thank you for your word and for your time of allowing us, Lord God, to be in your presence and speaking to our hearts and giving us guidance and revelation and understanding, Lord. We thank you tonight, Lord. We give you praise and honor, for there is none like you. You're the great I am, and we're thankful, Lord, for your goodness. Bless us as we go from this place. We ask you these things. In Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. While on your way out, give to the building fund. We'll appreciate it. In Jesus' name. Give it to you. I know there'll be moments.